And you think about like with the physical body, the same thing happens. Like if I want to add muscle onto my body, there's one place and one place only that that will work. And it's not just going to the gym and working out. It's the moment when my muscles go, this is too hard. Right. We're tired. We're done. And then I go, ah! I go all out crazy, push, 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 and reach complete collapse. And somebody has to take the thing off me. That's the point where muscles happen. And they right. don't happen before that. Welcome to Episode 7 of the Harbor Schools College and Career Counseling Podcast, where we seek to enliven conversations around purpose, 21st century careers, and university pathways. It's our aim to educate, agitate, inform, inspire, and otherwise empower our students to put their best foot forward in the pursuit of human flourishing. Now, I'm excited to start this Chinese New Year off, the Year of the Ox, with a conversation with someone I hadn't spoken to in years, an old friend and classmate, Tony Litster. Tony and I attended kindergarten through high school together in Boise, Idaho. To me, Tony was the archetypal good guy that had it all. He was academically driven, the class president, and the guy who would be successful at whatever endeavor he pursued. However, as you'll hear in this conversation, Tony's actual life was a mess. The harder he worked to keep up the appearance of success, the more he suffered internally until something finally had to give. When he emerged from the ashes, he had a vision, one infused with purpose. Tony has gone on to become a highly successful CEO and breakthrough coach, entrepreneur, and father of five. Strangely enough, what I would like to achieve with the students here at THS isn't all that different from what Tony does in his work. The difference is that I am, in some ways, trying to put people like Tony out of business, to plant the seeds of purpose discovery on the front end instead of having to pull out all of the overgrown weeds and replant it in the middle. Since we hadn't spoken for well over 20 years, our conversation was unwieldy and difficult to keep within the lines. It lasted over an hour and a half, and I was given the thankless task, of course, which I assigned to myself, to edit this thing down to as close as 20 minutes as possible. If the conversation seems to take a sudden turn, this is the reason. It was also validating to speak to each of our assumptions about the other, and how totally inaccurate they were. The constituent elements of our lives and the baggage passed down by our families of origin make it virtually impossible to really know someone unless we intentionally decide to do so. I think the world and all of us in it would be much better off if we challenged our internal constructs of the other. And how often do we look at someone else and think, man, they've got it figured out, not realizing they're looking at us thinking the same thing. That assumption keeps us from creating authentic human connections as we are definitely not apt to share our struggles with someone who is categorized as quote-unquote successful, nor they with us. And those kinds of human connections are absolutely necessary in order for us to flourish. Now, lastly, as a reminder of how unpredictably wonderful life can be, there is no way Tony and I could have ever guessed back in 1994 on the cusp of graduating from high school that we'd be having this conversation 25-ish years later through something called the internet using a video chat technology called Zoom. Me in Hong Kong and he in the Dominican Republic. Anyhow, here it is. That's what I'm thinking about our lives. 
uh, growing up. And um, in particular, I don't. Do you remember the college process at Capitol High School? Like looking at schools and going into the career center. Do you remember it? No, this was this was what's funny is all I knew was as a, as a good Mormon, I had to get a high ACT score right. to get into BYU, and so I did. I got enough. I got actually the minimum to get in. I was like a twenty-five or whatever, but I got in. Yeah. And then I went to BYU, and people were like, "What's your major?" And I was like. I don't even know what that word means. So yeah. I registered for my, my freshman year of college and I would just pick some classes. I'm like, oh, I'll take a dark class, an English class, and I'll take a Spanish class, and I'll do this and that. And people are like, what's your major? I'm like, I, no one actually sat down with me and said, this is how college works. Right. This is your major. I was like a year and a half into college just taking random classes. Right. And I don't know how I got there. I'm like, how did the adults in my world not go, what are you doing? Well, your dad went to... To school, right? He was he was uh -huh. college educated. No, uh, he did two years. He did two years okay. at State. Okay, I guess the loop back to my, you know, do you remember your college process at Capital? Is okay. I remember mine because it seared my brain. I remember sitting down at like you know probably a Commodore sixty four and taking this like inventory, you know, this uh, careers inventory, and going, you know, spending like the twenty minutes that we had once that one time in the career center, and the results that came back were a theater artist or a flight attendant. And I was so wow. uh, dejected by that outcome. You were a guy who seemed to have everything together, right? You had the whole facade going on. You know, you were a student uh, body president. So yeah, strong. talk a little bit about that, Tony. Well, facade maintenance was the, 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 the root of like layers of generations of my family. Like grandmother broke her back um, and, and so she was, she was doped up on morphine and they tied sandbags to her legs to try to straighten her back and then draped them over the edge of the bed. And so she was high in the back bedroom while the eight kids are, are raising themselves or granddad's out selling vacuums. And, and the, there was like this, you know, like they would cut, they'd have to get church assistance for food. So they cut the labels off the cans before they put them out to the trash so that nobody knew. So it was like this, this like, weird mix of personal development on one side of saying, you know, like quoting the point Hill all the time and then having like the, the bizarre scarcity and, and, and hyper dysfunction and addiction right. on the other side. And then everybody dressing up on Sunday and putting on a nice clean shirt and tie and marching into the church and going, right. we're the stellar family. And then granddad co-signed for one of his employees on a Mustang and the guy bailed on it. So they had a Mustang parked out front the president of Kirby vacuum cleaner was coming through Boise. So they went and spent all their money on living room furniture. Yeah. So you walk into their house and they have this beautiful living room furniture. And then in the rest of the house, it's literally like crumbling into dust because it's all full of termites. So it's like this like weird, you put on this face. These are the right answers. Right. You check these boxes, you do it really well. And then on the inside, this deep disconnect from self. Right. And, 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 uh, and such a deep shame-based identity that was like, okay, like even if I do it all right, if you really knew me, then you couldn't love me because what I want to do is something else. Right. It's like conflict on the inside. Yeah, man, it was, um, it was a really interesting thing to like run away from home and get my paper out done. So eventually I, when I was in college, I started a business and it was like this, it wasn't just the practicality of, oh, I'm gonna have a business and I'm gonna make a living. Right. It was, I need to prove my worth. So I need to make millions right. of dollars to this point. And, and, and eventually, uh, you know, I had, I had 
over a million dollar cycle through my hands in a year. And it was, it was deeply disorienting right. to have this, some, some like, oh, I, I, I did this thing. I did these transactions. And inside, I'm so deeply depressed. And I'm like, whoa, and, 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 and frantic, like terrified. Like, how, what do I do now? Right. It didn't work. Right. All that, like working my guts out, trading my life for it and making some money. And then, and then, and I cycled through it. I didn't keep any of it, which was interesting. Yeah. Because of my belief systems. But, but then to be in a place of like genuine confusion of, and I couldn't even, I was ashamed to even say it. Yeah. Couldn't tell anyone. I'm depressed. A whole bunch of my dreams just came true. And I, and, and I, and I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. I can go. I'm just a human and I'm really trying and I have these desires and I have these needs and I have these patterns from the past and I have my trauma right. that comes up and I have all, like this is just the, the mess that it is. Yeah. I have these things that I think are really meaningful to me and they're worth pursuing. And that's satisfying like 60% of the time. Yeah. And then the other 40% of the time is just being human and wanting to check out and like <laughs> being down on myself. And I kind of like, 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 to me, that's like, I think that's an optimal. Like, right. I, don't, I don't have this idea that I'm going to be happy 90% right. of the time. But if I can bump it over like 60, it feels right. actually pretty good. Yeah. What's, there's a lot of research that happiness is not really all that it's cracked up to be. It's fairly, you know, it's, you have these happiness spikes you know, but yeah. it, it very rarely actually sort of plateaus. You don't like lift your happiness quotient up and then you're like, oh, I'm going this level of happy now. But that's kind of where I got into the purpose and the meaning because people can still feel purposeful in their life and feel a lot of meaning and not feel quote unquote happy. And that sort of can generate the, uh, what would you call it? The motivation to get through the entropy, you know? Um, whereas if you don't have the meaning, if you don't have the purpose and, and you just feel that, that, that the weight coming down on you, I mean, what do you do? And I've spent like the last 15 years as a, as a, like a breakthrough coach, corporate yeah. coach, CEO kind of coach. So I've spent, it's about 11,000 hours on the phone, one-on-one -on -one with people who are pushing. Right. Right. And it could be a stay-at-home mom who wants to go to the next level. Or it could be, you know, like I worked with a, a, a lady who's going to inherit billions of dollars and she was so busy it was just really interesting experience like sitting with her and i had like kind of my little ego going hey i must be special because i get to work with this person that's gonna make billions of dollars but she had she was the first woman elected to public office in her country in the history of her country she was going to inherit billions of dollars she was a published scientist yeah. she had overcome breast cancer she had raised three beautiful children she had a really cool relationship uh, with, with her partner. So she had all these things in her life and you know, she's like gonna go visit with the Supreme Court justices after our meeting in New York. You know, I was like, she was somebody, right? And her phone was blowing up and, I'm, and, I, and I asked her this question. I'm like, why are you so busy? You don't have to be busy. You can live, in, you are one of the very few people that can literally live any place on this planet. You can buy anything for sale possible. Right. Even like a football team. Like, <laughs> right. you can do anything and you don't have to live in a repressive country where you wear a, a veil. You can do anything. Why are you so busy? And it, and, and it was interesting because the question gnawed at her and it gnawed at her and gnawed at her. 
and 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 this is I was in, in London having this meeting with her, and 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 she called me when she was in New York, and she's like, "Hey, I'm going to be in New York tomorrow. Can we meet?" And I'm like, "I live in Idaho. That's like ten hours." I'm like, "Sure." <laughs> <laughs> so that, when that kind of person says they want to meet, I'm like, right. okay. so I sit with her, and she goes, "That question you asked me." It's been eating at me for like the last month since you asked it. And she goes, I finally came up with an answer because I don't feel like I've done enough. Right. So it's like even the people right. at the highest levels, the professional football player playing in the Super Bowl that I coached didn't feel like he had arrived. Right. Right. The, the, the professional musician who had sold out all the stadiums that were the dream didn't feel like they had arrived yet. So this is like, this thing as humans that we, we think there's going to be this, this pot of gold at the end right. of the rainbow. And this is where, with, with, especially the young people, we, that we set the stage for them. Yeah. They're like, here's how you succeed. Right. You're going to get all these good grades. You're going to score like this on these tests. You're going to end up with this result. You're going to get this education, which is going to lead you to this job position, which right. is going to make you happy forevermore. You will be significant, and your life will work, and you will, everyone will respect you. And you'll have love and health. There'll be rainbows and, and unicorns and puppies. Yeah, all the stuff. <laughs> right? And as, as a young kid, we don't challenge it. We look at those people and go, well, like I looked at these guys that I knew growing up that were, well, there were a couple more dentists. Yeah. And I was like, they had nice cars. Yeah. And they had nice houses and they had boats. Right. And they would, you know, like do these activities and take us and they'd buy like a whole stack of soda and right. give us, you know, they'd buy like 50 cans of soda and just give them on like those guys are rich and they, they're healthy they look happy they have a hot wife like they right. got it like everything right. there's this game that we have set up for young people of here's how you succeed this is where you get to this place in life yeah and and i think it's good to pursue if someone is inclined to pursue it simply for the reason that getting there will have them have the demoralizing experience of life <laughs> now what right just get there quickly so that you, so it can all fall apart and you can start having a real life. Yes, <laughs> because the other track is not getting there and spending a lifetime looking at other people and going, oh, right. well, they have this or they have this, and, and they're happy because they have this, and I'm not happy because I don't have that, and there's a solution. So I think success, the path of success, if someone's geared, because I was wired to have to prove something. Yeah. That was in my You thing. were scripted. Like I, yeah. I had to be the class president. I had to right. make some, I had to show it off. I had to get a fast car. And it was great to get there and then have it fall apart. Yeah. When I was 17, I had this epiphany. I had this moment of like, like this idea. I was driving from Boise to Salt Lake in the desert at night. And I was listening to this program by Wayne Dyer. And I had this like some idea of what I wanted to do with my life. Sort of like, flash in my consciousness and my awareness and it was like yeah i would love to do that with my life right i had this moment right and then i had this sort of like naive thought that it's just like life's just going to open up and take me in that direction yeah but what i didn't get was in order to get from where i was at 17 to actually being the being that was living that that contribution and that life and, and that, that that you know that what i saw there was a whole bunch of me I had to get rid of. Like me as a fundamentalist religious person could not do what I saw myself doing. Right. Me as a entrepreneur who needed to prove something and, and desperately like behind the, everything that I bought was my 
broken self-image that was like, I really think I suck, but if I buy enough expensive looking things, yeah. then I'll be able to impress you and then maybe I'll feel good about me, but it never worked. Yeah. That guy had to go. Right. You know, like, even in the space, and I got hit by a drunk driver six years ago and I had a, a brain injury, so I had to like reset my, my relationship to my body. I couldn't read or write for months. I couldn't, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't do anything. Dude. And so I, I had this reset of like having to baby step my way back into, instead of like completing my 90 minute yoga class, I could do like seven minutes and then pass out on the mat. Like it, it changed me as a human being because I had to change my rhythm to get back in touch with my physical body. Right. And listen, because with a brain injury, you got to rest a lot. And you'll get these little tiny subtle signals of like, oh, time to rest. And if you ignore them, then your brain just goes, everything shut down. <laughs> it's like useless. <laughs> But I look at that, and as miserable as that was, it took me four years to get better. Who I am as a human being is more in alignment with the vision I saw myself as at 17. And so sometimes our purpose calls us in a direction that might have to peel off some layers of our yeah. ego. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So yeah. failure is not something to resist. Right. We don't go for it. We don't just try to have failure. Of course, we try to achieve what we want to achieve. But when stuff shows up, when illness shows up, when businesses fail, when COVID shows up and messes everything up that people are up to, instead of making it mean that we suck as a human being, once we have this ha happen a couple of times, we can step back and go, this sucks right now. I don't like this. But I get that this actually may be the, the nudge to get me to the next step on my path but you know these young people have this this track that's set right and they also have their inner world that's speaking to them in certain directions and i think that it's wise to educate ourselves mm -hmm. i'm not an anti-education I'm, I'm you know once i i even when i became an entrepreneur i've been self-educated since since that period of time so in order to really solve problems, we have to be at the cutting edge. We have to always be learning the next thing. We have to always be improving. So education is this lifelong track. Right. And as these young people get more connected to self, they can trust the inner voice. And, and not naively trusting it like, oh, yeah, I see some kids are like, I'm not getting an education. I don't need that. Yeah. Screw that. I'm going to do my thing. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But to make a living, you have to figure out how to solve some problem that someone yeah. pay you. Right. And in order to solve a problem, you got to get really freaking smart about it. So go educate yourself that way. Right. I don't care if you don't want to do the traditional route. Right. But for most of the kids that will listen to this that you're working with, they won't hit those two slots at the at the university, exactly. the top two seats. Yeah. And they won't hit those two spots at the corporation that are available. Right. 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 And the eight percent of us won't hit that so what do we do and i think that the, the the path is coming to know yourself and making yourself okay like less and less make wrong about who you are and why you are and how you are and what you feel and more right. about who am i and what am i yeah and where am i what do i feel right and what speaks through me and now how do i become the very best version of me right so that I can go out and solve those problems and make a living doing whatever something that feels good to me. Yeah. And then my totally. life has a purpose. So I took a path of conformity where I lined up with 
with this, this social structure of this, this fundamentalist religion that I was, that I was raised in. And that was kind of the, the path that I got on. And I experienced Brennan as being willing to, you know, like I have long hair now in my 40s. Yeah. But, but Brennan had long hair in junior high school, which was a big deal back then. Like it was, <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, he has long hair. And, and Brennan's right. parents were really pretty like relaxed about yeah. what I always thought were like these like rigid ideas. So, so in this space of, it's interesting for me to hear your story, Brennan, of, because I watched you and I was like, man, that guy has expression. He's not constrained. He does what he wants to do. He does right. parties. He's having a good time. And I was over in this like kind of like rigid lockdown of, <laughs> of a hyper, you know, religious right. community that was a pretty strong, like 25% of our high school well, part of this is a pretty strong religious, right. like, a, like a big hub of conformity, 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 and shame. Yep. It's really interesting for me to hear your story of that I perceive in looking at you, I'm like, yeah. that guy's so confident. Right. And he does these things. How does he do those things? How does he have so much confidence? Oh, my gosh. You know, even like when we were in junior high school, and, you know, we'd be like seeing a girl and be like, wow, she's cute. What do you think? And Brennan would go meet her and, and actually have a conversation with her. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. You're so courageous. <laughs> and so it's interesting for me to hear the other side of that. There yeah. was a message of your expression also brought with it the social shaming. Yeah. And yeah. some identity pieces of the social shaming. And yeah. so like the same path had to eventually come back to self. Yeah. But I took the fundamentalist path and you took the express path and it still comes to this. Yeah. This, this so path. crazy. Can I yeah. share something that I think will, will it, I think it's pertinent, particularly to the young people. Yeah. So, so Brendan and I were friends. We went to kindergarten together and I, and I, I have, I, I, I have a semi photographic memory. So I have like moments. I remember, like I remember you had AM, kindergarten and I had PM kindergarten and you had made this like spaceship out of the, you know there's a woodworking station and it, it was like sand and wood and you could like glue these things together and, and I still remember like these little moments of how I looked up to Brennan as as a kid and and you know you were more athletically skilled than I was I was clumsy as shit <laughs> and, and so so there was this interesting and then and then as teenagers I Tended, I took a path of conformity because my tribe was you conform or you're banished. So I took a path of conformity where I lined up with, with this, this social structure of this, this fundamentalist religion that I, was, that I was raised in. And that was kind of the, the path that I got on. And I experienced Brennan as being willing to, you know, like I have long hair now in my 40s. Yeah. But, but Brendan had long hair in junior high school, which was a big deal back then. Like it was, <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, he has long hair. And, and Brendan's right. parents were really pretty like relaxed about yeah. what I always thought were like these like rigid ideas. So, so in this space of, it's interesting for me to hear your story, Brendan, of, because I watched you and I was like, man, that guy has expression. He's not constrained, he does what he wants to do, he does right. like parties, he's having a good time. And I was over in this like kind of like rigid lockdown of, <laughs> of a hyper, you know, religious right. community that was a pretty strong like 25% of our high school 
were part of this is a pretty strong religious, right. it's like a like a big hub of conformity, 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 and shame. Yep. It's really interesting for me to hear your story of that I perceive in looking at you, I'm like, yeah. that guy's so confident. Right. And he does these things. How does he do those things? How does he have so much confidence? Oh my gosh. You know, even like when we were in junior high school and, you know, we'd be like seeing a girl and be like, wow, she's cute. What do you think? And Brennan would go meet her and, and actually have a conversation with her. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. He's so courageous. <laughs> and so it's interesting for me to hear the other side of that. There yeah. was a message of your expression also brought with it the social shaming. Yeah. And yeah. some identity pieces of the social shaming. And yeah. so like the same path had to eventually come back to self. Yeah. But I took the fundamentalist path and he took the express path and it still comes to this. Yeah. This, this so crazy. Well, I think I had my, you know, my parents are were awesome. I mean, my mom passed away recently. I'm not sure if I shared that with uh, you. But, uh, uh, I mean, it was a long battle of cancer. Um, but but uh, both my parents were really sort of, they had such dysfunctional, you know, upbringings themselves and uh, came from sort of uh, derelict and abusive families and uh, alcoholism that ran rapid. That They were just like, you know, we want to give you guys your, your freedom to be yourselves. You know, what we needed actually was a little bit of boundary setting. Uh, and we just needed to know on, on some level that uh, we were we were loved and really cared for. But my parents, um, God bless them, they, they really committed to the inner work. And so a lot of their, my upbringing and a lot of my memories of them was, was them hashing it out and, or them saying, I need, to, I need to spend the next hour journaling. This stuff's coming up for me right now. I just need to go in the room and like get this out. And I think I, I really appreciate that they downloaded those, like I downloaded those tools, right? I think those tools for me have been enormously helpful. But I also just needed my dad to say, hey, let's go, go spend a weekend camping. Like he never would do that kind of stuff because um, he was sort of embroiled in his own process. So I didn't have a lot of confidence. I thought I did, but you know, sort of like unpacking it years later, really what it was, um, was, you know, I didn't feel like I could play the game effectively in that sort of in the way that uh, would be held up as successful. So I'm going to do the other thing. Well, I'm going to, you know what I mean? And yeah, totally. it, wasn't, it wasn't that I embraced it because that's who I felt I was. It was I embraced it because I felt like that was the only rule I could be successful at. Uh, anyhow, man, it's really good to connect with you. And um, I'll be uh, following you Facebook to see what you're up to. Um, and yeah, anything people, I can do to support these kids. Yeah. Any of the resources we have, I'd love to make that available if it's, if it's useful. Um, okay. But I also think that people uh, who are interested, parents in particular, want to see what work you're up to, they can go to your website, uh, Tony Litster, that's L-I-T-S-T-E-R.com, right? Yep, TonyLitster.com, yep. yeah, same, same name on social media, and then the podcast is What the Flow. What the Flow, I yeah. love it. Cool, Tony, uh, thanks so much hey, for your time, man. It's been a wonderful talking to you, and uh, let's, let's do it again maybe in another year or so, see where we're at. Love it. All right, sounds good? Yeah, of course. All right, <laughs> we'll see you.